Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Good morning, Living Hope. It is good to be with you, even if it is only through video. I do have relatives at Living Hope and friends, and it is great to be with you again. But for those whom I have not yet met, I'm Pastor Trevor, pastor of First CRC here in Vancouver. And we're really glad to be able to be joining in this sermon exchange series through these weeks of Lent, leading up to Holy Week, Good Friday and Easter, that we together between our congregations and Mission Hills Community Church, that we can be looking at the same texts and diving in and trying to understand what Jesus was trying to communicate about the kingdom of God, about his whole mission and ministry, and then to realize and learn the connections that that has for us in our own contexts. Well, before we read these words, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Send your spirit among us, O God as we meditate on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Prepare our minds to hear your word. Move our hearts to accept what we hear. Purify our will to obey in joy and faith. This we pray through Christ, our Savior. Amen. Luke chapter 13. We'll begin reading at verse 18. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like. What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed to which a man took and planted it in his garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again, he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These three short verses are our passage for today. And there's a lot going on in just these two short parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. Now we're going to be looking more closely at the parable of the mustard seed, but we will get to the parable of the yeast later on. But as we begin trying to imagine what Jesus was trying to communicate about his own work, and about the kingdom of God, it's important for us to realize the context and maybe remind ourselves of the context that Jesus was working in and living in and ministering in. He was living in Galilee. This is the northern part of the nation, and this is where people were, if they lived close to the Sea of Galilee, their whole lives were about fishing. And if they lived further inland, away from the Sea of Galilee, their whole lives were fishing. And so it makes sense when Jesus is telling parables that he's using the everyday realities of the people around him as the, the stuff of the parables. So there are parables about planting seeds and growing and crops and sowing and vineyards because this was the reality that the people were living in. Of course, that's not the only thing that was going on for the people in that day. 
the nation was not an independent nation. It was under the heavy hand of yet another empire, the Roman Empire. And so it, no matter how small the village might have been, every village would have had the reminders of the Roman Empire, both with the soldiers and also with the tax collectors. Now, this detail is important for us to remember because for the tax collectors especially, the tax that they had was not just a minor inconvenience like our taxes today. These were very prohibitive, very difficult taxes to pay whether or not the crops would be coming in. Now, if you have experienced the rhythms of farming, I'm sure you will know better than I do about how different the crops can be coming in every year. But if you have to pay the same amount of taxes, even if you have crop failure, what are you going to do? The only way to do that is to take on debt. And the only leverage that people had were either themselves or their land. Those were the only assets that they could tell, they could sell. And so this is why it makes sense also that Jesus has parables of debts and of landowners. Because if someone, to get out of debt, has to sell their family land, they are ending up going to work on that same land for another landowner, and that landowner probably is not going to be known to them. Maybe, maybe they're even uh, from far away. Well, this is the world that the people we're living in, and this is where Jesus is using these everyday realities of the people to communicate something about his ministry, something about the kingdom of God that Jesus came to begin, inaugurate, and to, to bring and to reveal it in their context. So Jesus is using these everyday reality things, and for us now, we are about a year in since that very first COVID lockdown. And what a long journey this has been. I think probably for many of us, we have all gone through these different waves of society. And, and I'm not just talking about the waves of watching the numbers increase and fall and, and increase and fall and maybe even increase once again. But even the waves where it seemed that everybody all at once, about a year ago, was in this panic mode of everybody buying toilet paper, clearing off the shelves. And then later on, it was like everybody was thinking about gardening at the very same time. So suddenly in the gardening stores, all of those shelves were taken, cleaned off. And then it seemed like everybody was thinking about baking all at once. And so, suddenly there's no more yeast or flour on the shelves. In a way, maybe we can relate through this COVID journey, relate to the parables that Jesus is telling. Because quite likely, we were part of that big rush uh, in joining in on the gardening and joining in on the baking. I know our family was for sure. But it's important for us to remember that as we're beginning to look at the parables, that we need to remember that even if we can connect with planting a seed and seeing how yeast impacts dough, that this 
is not first and foremost about us. There's a temptation, I think, to anytime we pick up the Bible to think, well, what does this have to do with me? And we just dive right in and trying to make those connections. It's important for us, and we will get there, but it's important for us to first remember what Jesus was doing in his own context. Because when we understand what's going on there, then we can have a better picture about how we fit ourselves into God's story. So let's look at these parables. And we will be looking more closely at the parable of the yeast, sorry, of the mustard seed yeast later on. But as we, as we look, I would just like to offer three words as kind of mental points that we can circle around. And those words are faith, hope, and love. That these parables give us the eyes of faith. These parables deepen our hope that we hang on to. And finally, these parables offer to us an example of love. So first of all, the eyes of faith. So we have this parable of the mustard seed, and it is such a short parable, but as Jesus is explaining it, we have this picture going on of this really small seed, and we all know that the mustard seed is not the smallest of the seeds, but it is a small seed, especially given the size that it grows into. And so Jesus is saying, this is something that is starting small, but it ends up growing. And this is him communicating to the people about his ministry. But there's a detail in there at the end of this parable. And it maybe just seems like this add-on detail. But it says, and this, it grew and it became a tree and birds of the air perched in its branches. Now, that phrase, perched in its branches, actually, for those who know the Hebrew Bibles, the Old Testament, what we would say, would actually recognize that that line opens up these huge realities that the people of God would understand. So I'd like to talk about three different times in, in the Old Testament where we have this phrase of the bird's of the air. And the first is Daniel chapter 4. And with Daniel chapter 4, we have this picture of King Nebuchadnezzar. He has this dream, and it's this dream of this great tree. And in this great tree, the birds of the air are perched in them, nesting in them. It turns out that Daniel, the dream interpreter, ends up explaining to King Nebuchadnezzar that you, Nebuchadnezzar, are this great tree. But that great tree is going to fall. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the one who was leading Babylon at the time that Jerusalem fell. It was the first time that they experienced the heavy hand of an empire taking over. And so we have this picture of this empire being described as this great tree where birds of the air are perched in them. And it turns out that Daniel tells the king, you are building yourself up so much and your ego so much that actually that tree is going to fall and you are going to live like a wild animal for seven years until you finally submit 
to the Most High God and name him as the king above all kings. And if we know the story of Daniel, we know that that is actually what took place. So empire number one, we have Babylon. But then we go to Ezekiel chapter 17. Now Ezekiel 17 actually has a prophecy against Assyria. Now this is going back into some history of the Bible, but there were the two, the, there was the divided kingdom. Babylon took over the kingdom in the south, but the kingdom in the north, the 10 tribes, they were defeated by Assyria. And here's the prophecy in Ezekiel against Assyria. Now, in Ezekiel 17, we have this picture once again that Assyria is now considered this great tree where birds of the air are perched in its branches. And then later on, we have in Ezekiel a few times where there's prophecies against Egypt. And one of those is Ezekiel chapter 29. And again, we have this picture of a great tree where birds of the air are in its branches. Well, if, if we're connecting the dots between these different passages, we're realizing empire number one called a tree that ends up falling. Empire number two called a great tree, also with birds, ends up falling. Empire number three, Egypt, called, described as this great tree with birds in, the, in its branches, that also ends up falling. And if we end up connecting the dots then to what Jesus is describing, this mustard seed that ends up growing into this great tree where birds of the air are perched in it, what is he saying to the people? That those who have the eyes to see that this is deepening their faith. Because right now they are living in this context of yet another empire. And it's like the, Jesus is telling the people in, in between words that it's the empire, the empire does not call the shots. The empire does not ultimately define their reality. The kingdom of God is what defines reality. Now, I love the coherence and the connection of scripture there. Um, and I think this just opens up for us, like a seed, <laughs> opens up for us this bigger picture of what the parable is all about, giving us these eyes of faith. But as we have these eyes of faith opening up, we also have the opportunity to have our faith deepened with hope. In Ezekiel 17, one of the parts, it was not just simply a prophecy against Assyria through Ezekiel, the living God ends up promising this. He said, I will plant a shoot in the Mount of Israel, and that shoot will grow up into a great tree. Do you see what's going on here? That as Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God becoming this great tree, he's making a claim that he himself is representing God's promise to his people of being that shoot, of being that one that that great tree is going to grow up into. Now here's the challenge. And this is something that we always 
come up against when we are looking at the challenges of hope. Hope does not describe a fully realized reality, does it? Hope always inserts itself into the places where we are faltering, where we're getting tired, where we don't see the full picture. And it's like Jesus is telling the people, what is the kingdom of God like? Yes, it's like a mustard seed that's growing up into this great tree. Right before this parable, Jesus is healing a woman, and it actually says that he took on and opposed the work of an evil spirit. And so the people who have been watching Jesus go place to place, the teaching that he did, the miracles that he accomplished, the way that he acted with such authority, what is he on about? This goes back to Luke chapter 4, where he declares this is his mission, to bring freedom to the captives. And as the people are watching Jesus, they are witnessing these incredible things happening to individuals. But that's not fully their own realities. Quite likely, most of them still had to remain as people who had sold off their land. Their problems weren't immediately fixed. And the more we look at the rhythms and the conversations and the passages about the kingdom of God, we discover that there is the already of the kingdom of God, but there's also the not yet of the kingdom of God, the waiting. Now, we have the benefit of history to know that eventually, yes, the Roman Empire did fall, but it did take a few centuries until that finally also yielded to Christ. Yet another empire that eventually fell and gave way to the bigger tree that is the kingdom of God. But we also know in our own situations that we still don't see the kingdom of God in its fullness, do we? And sometimes it can be tough to wait. I'm thinking about the amount of waiting and how sick of waiting we might be getting right now about COVID, about these restrictions. And I'm sure this is prompting different responses inside of us. But as we are waiting to see the fullness of God's kingdom, what is it that we need? We need hope. And this passage of the mustard seed offers us this glimpse of hope. Because if we remember also our Bibles, not just looking back to the Old Testament, but also looking forward to the very last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, there we have this description of the kingdom of God in its fullness. And it's described as the new Jerusalem, the new creation. And there is the throne, and from the throne there is a river. And on either side of the great river is this great tree whose leaves are there for the healing of the nations. Now, we don't have a description in Revelation 22 about the birds of the air. But here we have this connection from the great tree that Jesus is describing to that great tree described in Revelation 22. And does that not burn in our hearts, deepen our hope as we wait?
And maybe as we wait, we just want to once again cry and pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. So faith and hope and finally love. You know, as we watch the seeds that are planted, I know that our family, every spring, we start planting a whole bunch of little plants and and it's a marvel every time to just see how these seeds end up transforming into the plants. And even if we understand that it works, few of us, I know I don't, fully understand how it is possible that in that little seed contains the life of the whole plant. But there it is. Here's the interesting thing, though. That plant cannot happen unless that seed falls. And in a sense, unless that seed falls and dies in the ground. That seed needs to come to an end in itself in order that the rest of the life will open up from within. And so that seed has to die in order for the new life to emerge from within. And the second, this is where the other parable comes in, the parable of the yeast. And by the way, just a side comment, here we have a a man planting a seed and a woman mixing the dough. Um, Those were the traditional roles in that context, in that day. And today we realize that that could easily be switched uh, because I do some baking as well. Um, But here we have these, these situations. This woman is mixing this dough, and as we realize, as we read, it's a large amount of dough. And actually, it's about 60 pounds of flour. And so once you mix 60 pounds of flour and you add in all that water, you're dealing with probably about 100 pounds worth of dough. This is not just making, baking some little artisan loaf, nice and fancy for you to have at home. This is an abundant amount of dough. This is the enough dough to feed the full village and on and on. And, and so we have this picture of generosity and this, the greatness once again. But again, like the seed that falls and dies in the ground in order to bring life to the plant, what happens to the yeast is it is mixed with the flour and the water. The yeast itself comes to an end, doesn't it? That once it's mixed in, there's no way for you to go back and and to take out the individual pieces of yeast. But as that yeast comes to an end in itself, what happens? It ends up transforming that flour and water into this dough that becomes this growing, expanding thing. What a marvelous picture of the kingdom of God. And what a marvelous picture of love. At the beginning, when we were reading the passage, I was saying that these parables are coming on the path towards Easter. And here, as Jesus is describing the mustard seed and the yeast, he's actually demonstrating a connection 
to his own sacrifice. That he is the seed that is buried. He is the yeast that ends up being consumed in order to bring about that new life, to make that new thing possible. This is the example of love that Jesus gave. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus said that. And Jesus lived that. So as we are drawn into this deeper story of Jesus and his mission of bringing about the kingdom of God, aren't we just brought once again to marvel at the greatness of who Jesus is and his sacrifice? Just one final word. The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the reality that Jesus is inviting us into today. So long ago, Jesus began the work of the kingdom of God. And we realize and we understand that that work in the kingdom of God came at one particular point in history, but it connected back to all the other layers of meaning and history and promises that God had given to his people before. And we realize that in Jesus' work and his own sacrifice, that that has sent ripples out throughout history, and those ripples are still continuing into our own realities today. What a marvelous invitation we have today to not only be lost in wonder about the coherence of Scripture and the connections, but to be lost in wonder at Jesus himself. And so, as the Apostle Paul said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Peace be with you, living hope. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.